0: You're listening to the Ecclesia of Noonan Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to show your support to find out more information, check out our website, EcclesiaNoonan.com. Um, if you have your Bibles, uh, again, let's let's open back, if you haven't already been there, to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. We're going to read these again formally, and then we're going to ask for a, a, a blessing uh, in the form of a prayer. Um, on the reading of God's Word to your hearts today. Second um, Peter chapter one, verses 12 through fifteen, these are the words of God. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. These qualities, of course, are found in um, verses five through seven. Though you know them, and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Let's ask God's blessing on the reading of his word. God, we uh, just echo the prayers of Andrew um, and ask for your blessing, God, on the reading of this word to our hearts. um, May it thunder in our hearts. Uh, May it ring forth through it. And God, may we, as a result, look more like Christ today. Would you use the Holy Spirit um, to radically remind us this week um, where we so desperately need to be reminded. Lord, I pray that you would reorient our normals where we have succumbed to the culture and that you would remind us constantly of biblical truth. I pray that you would remove arrogance from our hearts, um, that we already know things and show us the true value of a practitioner's faith. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, here we are. Uh, This is uh, 2 Timothy. Uh, Sorry, you guys are in 2 Timothy. We're in 2 Timothy, 2 Peter. And uh, he he is an old man, right? Um, He truly is. And and it's funny because we went just last week in Acts preaching Peter's sermon and Peter was a younger person uh, and now he's not. Um, He's going to be dead between 63 to 66 AD. Uh, He will die at the hands of Nero. Um, He will be crucified upside down, according to church tradition, Um, at his own behest, because they were going to crucify him right side up. uh, And he said, I don't think so. That's not going to work for me. You're going to have to do something else. Um, and so uh, that, is, that is precisely how, how he died. With that in mind, this, this letter, um, as I actually sent out to Andrew, and maybe the guys got it too, um, this particular genre of epistle or letter is called testament, right? Now, we say Old and New Testament, we generally just mean Old and New Covenants, broken in up into sections of scripture but when we mean testament what we mean is last will and testament um i i actually just edited a last will and testament of one of the elders at Sov hope less than a month ago he and his wife had a last will and testament he said i need you to look over this legally grammatically all this stuff tell me what you think get it back to me so sure no problem so um did that so when we say testament, the Latin is testamentum, uh, and that's what this is. Now, the reason that I passed that information along to Andrew as far as this letter being a last will and testament is because their discipleship group uh, that meets on Tuesday just got through going uh, in, in, in Second Timothy. And when I sent it, you guys were just finishing it up. I think you were in chapter 3 or 4. Um, and I, I noted to him these things, and I will re recount them uh, to you now. Here, they're the features of what makes a last will and testament of sort of biblical genre what it is. Number one, the speaker knows he is about to die, okay? Uh, and by the way, this is a very, this is a very famous form of literature uh, between the time of about 300 BC to about 300 AD, okay? So this is very, very, very popular, okay? So number one, uh, the speaker knows that he's about to die, number one. Number two, and there are five of these. Number two, the speaker gathers around him his children or a similar audience. Number two, the speaker gathers around him his children or a similar audience. This would be familiar to you if you're familiar with the story of Jacob in Genesis when he gathers around his children in, um, uh, there in Genesis 48. Uh, it, it actually runs uh, all the way through the middle of verse or chapter 49, actually. Um, that's exactly what this is. Number three, the speaker impresses on his audience the need uh, to remember his teaching and example. The speaker impresses on his audience the need to remember his teaching and example. So it's like, this is the end of my life. This is my teaching and example this is what i want you to do so number one he knows he's going to die number two he gathers around him children or child people who act like children to him uh uh number three legacy right this is my teaching and example number four the speaker makes predictions of the future and that's and that's and that's indicative to this particular time right so when i was reading um
1: when I was reading Adam's
0: last will and testament, he did not predict the future. Does that make sense? Uh, because why? That's a particular genre of um, uh, uh, of literature at that time where they would make predictions in the future across the Greco-Roman world, and, and Peter is no exception here. And last but not least, number five, the speaker gives moral exhortations. Okay, number last, uh, number five, uh, he he gives moral. He or she gives moral exhortations all this comes from uh, the world's greatest Roman scholar, who's a Lutheran by the name of Douglas Moo, who wrote a wonderful commentary on 2 Timothy and Jude that I'm very much enjoying as we go through this. Um, so, verses 12 and 13 uh, are really paired up together here, um, and, and they really make the, the gist of this entire paragraph. I and mean, if we only have time to cover one point, it would definitely be remember and remember to remember in verses 12 and 13. Uh, we could let verses 14 and 15 go, but we dare not do it because they're too precious. Uh, this is what the word uh, the word says here in 12 and 13 again. Uh, your point is reminder to good works. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. So he's talking about his intention. He's talking about doing it always. And in the same breath, he's always ta- also talking about his death, right? So he's serious about reminding these guys. Um, doesn't matter the time. Uh, for him, he, he this is so very important to him um, that, that they know um, what he has taught them. To remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Peter is commending this audience for their existing spiritual maturity. Okay? So if you don't catch that, uh, you should. Uh, he is not only telling them his intention to remind them and, and lifting up remembrance as a Christian practice, okay? and then the remembrance of uh, good works and not just remembering good works and preaching those good works to yourself, those commands, and also doing them, but he is at the same time saying he's, he's, he's affirming them. He's affirming them. Uh, Peter recognizes... Uh, in his old age and maturity, the need for affirmation. Uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, but the, you know, behind, behind every great man, there's all, always someone else sort of pulling the strings. Does that make sense? And for uh, my very beloved John Piper, that is a man by the name of Sam Crabtree. Sam Crabtree has been the executive pastor for John Piper for 30 years, or was. And uh, Crossway and Piper just hit him hard you know you've got to produce a book in your lifetime I and mean, there's just too much here he's been called you know uh, piper's wiser half basically you know uh for all these years um and he bought an executive pastor he has not been an executive pastor in the entrepreneurial business model way and you you were thinking executive pastor as we see them on the websites today um no offense um, um but Uh, truly a man who, who, who guides and shepherds the church as it were. Um, so finally, Sam agrees to produce a book and the title of that book is practicing affirmation and what a gem this book is. If you don't have it, you need it. Um, it is short. It's, it's a short read. It's probably not 150 pages long. Uh, but it is a stellar book. And it, re- it really is, you know, it's. It, uh, I mean, they, they literally talk about him, them twisting his arm to get him done. But a fantastic book. All of us need to practice affirmation fleshly. We're not wired that way. We're not, well, we're normally wired to affirm ourselves. At least I am. That's what I do. I generally affirm myself to other people rather than affirm them. Or I naturally and fleshly criticize and or cut down uh, we are all contrarians by birth like that we, 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 we come out uh, unable to even put sentences together but critical you know and um, uh Peter here in, in in the middle of this command to remember is affirming their spiritual maturity and saying, unbelievable, this is great. Like you've already received uh, the truth. You're actually already established in the truth, which is really, really great. Nevertheless, you need to remember these things. this whole This whole section of verse sounds a lot to me like, the companion book of Second Peter in Jude, uh, cha- brother of Jesus, chapter uh, chapter one, uh, verse five, and it says, "Now I want to remind you," Jude says, "although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe." So he's he's bringing back to mind and saying, "Hey, uh, he's bringing up the theme of remembering it, right, uh, and the knowledge of it, and and, and nevertheless you need to be." reminded of it. So just because you know it doesn't mean that you don't need to know it again, and again, and again, and again. Uh, Because knowledge, right, uh, does not include awareness. Just because you have doctrine, or a statement, or a quote, or a principle, or an application, or in Peter's case, a virtue list, or the need for good works in your mind, doesn't mean it's sort of filed away in that supercomputer that is the brain that god gave us doesn't mean that you know it know it the idea of of remembering is not cerebral at all it is to be applied to the whole man all of it that these truths saturate down in everything that i am right that it's not just head uh, but it's heart and emotions, and it's everything. And it sinks down into who I am. That's, that's, the, um, that's the encouragement to remember here. Now, in terms of a biblical theology of remembering, from the very beginning, Israel was commanded to remember things that God had done. Uh, there is a, a pile of stones here in my backyard um off the way there's a little wood pile there and if you go about 25 yards back there's another there's a pile of 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 rocks and we're not exactly sure what it is um it, it very well may be a very very old grave it may be an old construction site where they just sort of unearthed a bunch of rocks and piled them up but uh piled up rocks in the old testament has a serious serious place in the heart of israel and the heart of god because whenever in the old testament Uh, And you can read the law and see this happen over and over and over again, Uh, Genesis through uh, Deuteronomy Numbers. Whenever God does something, whenever God speaks, God always commands them to get rocks. And wherever God worked or wherever God spoke, they they were supposed to get rocks and they were supposed to pile them together uh, as, as high as they wanted to so that for generations as they walked by, there was a lot of traveling by foot in that time, they would go by and they would look at that pile of rocks and they would look at it and and that fathers would tell their children, would tell their grandchildren, the oral tradition would pass, hey, that's the time that God spoke to Moses in a burning bush. Uh, Hey, that's the time uh, God almost killed Moses over in Exodus. Hey, that's the time that God spoke to Moses. Uh, Joseph, and and they literally had these pile of rocks. They were memorials. They were reminders. That's what they were there for. They they were literal, physical benchmarks uh, littered across the landscape of Palestine to remind them of the works of God. Um, And then, of course, Israel itself—they are a people of celebration. They're a people who remembers what what they do, right? I mean, uh, uh, they are instructed—they are instructed uh, in the Bible to keep the Sabbath, not because it is a, a pre-fall institution, and it is. They are specifically uh, called every week to remember the Sabbath, uh, specifically for what God delivered them from much less annually the passover they are a people of constant remembrance you are a people of constant remembrance. that cup over there is a memorial service and not just a more memorial service it is a spiritual post-it note without seeming blasphemous it is a reminder of what needs to happen and this is the reason that community is so important forthright honest community honest community that doesn't feel bad about talking to other people about things but coming up to one another and say hey this is this is the truth here, right? Because the community can, in fact, remind one another of the truth, right? Uh, or in sharing with our lives, uh, if you're not that direct, and you probably should be, um, or at least work on it, right? Uh, that you could tell others, hey, this is what, I've been remembering in my life, and that that those remembrances could be contagious in our conversations. In Exodus chapter 13, verses 3 and uh, verses 8 through 10, I'm going to read to you the command from Moses to the people that they should specifically remember what God had done. Exodus 13, 3, 8 through 10. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, uh, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out of this place. That's verse 3, verse 8 through 10. You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt and it shall be to you as a sign on your hand. it is a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth for with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute, uh, or this commandment at its appointed time, uh, from year to year. And that that's Exodus chapter 13. Um, remembering is a part of the Christian life. It is a part of the Judeo-Christian heritage. Jesus, when he instituted the church, uh, which I spoke of uh, last week at Soft Hope, to remind that audience there of what I often tell you here about song, sermon, and sacrament established as church design on Thursday. He said on that Thursday, you are to do this in remembrance of me. We are remembering people is what we do. And yet, remembering it every seven days, you would think that it would get old when people generally uh, don't practice the Lord's Table very often. As a matter of fact, most most uh, Baptist churches that I know only partake in the Lord's Table about twice a year. Twice a year. Um, and when I ask them about that, or we they find out that we do it every year. First of all, they ask while we're Roman Catholic, right, And this, uh, which we have to help them with, Um and then they say, "Well, doesn't it get old after a while?" To which I just look at them for about thirty seconds with a blank stare, going, "No, it doesn't. You know, it, 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 no, it doesn't. It never gets old. It's the gospel, you know." And of course, the reason it would never get the reason it would get old is if you weren't preaching the wrath of God to people. Does that make sense? Um, if it was just a pithy example, then that, that would be not. But, but when you secure, you know, when you secure salvation from a sovereign and wrathful God then that means something to me. It means something to me every hour, much less once every seven days. Um, It's uh, so important. And so this is what Jesus said there in Luke chapter 22. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me to our young men who just did finish up Second Timothy. I'll bring back to mind chapter two, verse 14, which said, remind them of these things, Paul tells Timothy, and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers, right? So he's, he's reminding them of something that they already know. He's not teaching it to them for the first time, but he's telling it to them over and over and over again. Repetition and reminder have always been the enterprise of the church. Um, the uh, what was his um, title? I don't remember his title. I think he was. Um, I think he had something to do with Westminster, not Abbey, but Westminster Chapel. It was D. Martin Lloyd Jones, who is a reformed uh, preaching maniac. I mean, was just legend. Uh, stuff of legends. Uh, He said, and I quote, the business of the church uh, and the business of preaching is not to introduce us with new and interesting ideas. It is rather to go on reminding us of certain fundamental and eternal truths. I'll say that one more time. The business of the church and the business of preaching is not to introduce us to new and interesting ideas. And it seems that that's what It's sort of come to be, isn't it, right? That you have to be winsome and creative and, uh, yeah, you know, if if you're not modeling after something that's relevant or in the media, then it's just old, right? Um, But it is rather to go on reminding us of certain fundamental and eternal truths, which I would add why there is a theological famine in America today. Does that make sense? The reason that we have suffer from theological famine in this country, and we do, and we do, um, when, when our 14-year-olds who come out of systematic theology after, you know, uh, three, six weeks know more than their 40-year-old parents who have been in church all their lives, you know that you're in the middle uh, of a famine, right? Um, period. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, that's our responsibility. And it's not my responsibility only. Uh, it, it, is, it is all of your responsibilities, right? To constantly remind yourselves of the truth and to love one another enough to remind one another of those truths. It was Paul who, when giving us the most distinct definition of the gospel uh, to his um, um, most beloved of all churches, the Corinthian church, and I say that with sarcasm, um, uh, he said to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, and I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel in which was delivered to you, in which now you stand, right? That Christ was crucified, dead, and buried, and rose again from the third day, being attested by 500 people. This this was the gospel to him. So he tells it to them at the end of the letter, it's only 16 chapters, at the end of the letter, even though they already know it, he tells it to them again. You and I, in this very letter, have been warned against gospel amnesia. Right? For uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 9, where Peter warns against the dangers of gospel amnesia, I quote, uh, for whoever lacks these qualities, this list, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now, here's the thing. How many times do you forget that God has forgiven you of your sins? Probably a lot. If it's anything like me, I forget all the time. Right? Um, we all forget all the time. All of us. Every single one of us forget all the time. Um, and yet we, we don't want to forget, right? And this actually specifically is talking about uh, good works not being there because we forget the gospel. How, can we, how could this, anybody in this church forget the gospel? I mean, do, are, are they completely blind? Yes. Actually, that's what the text says. Says that they're they are they are they are blind, um, that they can't see, right? Um, so let me let me encourage you um, to be involved in as many reminding enterprises as possible. Let me encourage you to saturate your heart with the truth. Let me encourage you to design your life and your schedule and your routine with. Uh, with 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 truth, right? With music that talks about the truth. With art that speaks the truth to you. With scriptures on note cards put in your lavatory. With the truth on it. We need all the reminders we can get. You tell Siri on your iPhone, Siri, remind me at five o'clock that Jesus is Lord and that I'm forgiven of my sins and to repent and believe again. If you need to. But, but remind yourself uh, of these things. Now, the remembrance section of Christianity is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, okay? It's empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, uh, and where we uh, where we get that empowering is, uh, where we find that out is John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. Will some of you turn there and read that for me? Uh, this, is the, this is the reminding function of the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus teaching on Thursday. Okay, so Jesus does on Friday. He's teaching on Thursday, and he's, you know, he's leaving, so he's going to teach them about the Holy Spirit that's going to come. And he says it's better that the Holy Spirit comes, right, in John 14. Well, in that, in that verse, he tells us several things about the Holy Spirit, that he's a helper, you know. Uh, and another thing that he does is that he's a reminder. So Gospel of John fourteen twenty six. Courtney, you got it? go for it. Okay. 1426. Yep. Okay. Uh, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have sent to you. Perfect. Well done. So, three things we learned in that verse about the Holy Spirit. are four. Number one, that he sent. Number two, that he's a helper. Number three, that he's a teacher. And lastly, that he's a reminder. Now, this is the reason that this is so important to these gospel writers, is because they are going to write scripture very soon. Within a decade, they're going to write, they're going to write the gospel. So they've got to remember everything that Jesus taught them for the last three years. Right? A thousand days. Um, my wife is convinced that I have her early dementia she's just convinced right Uh, she is and she's like honey really you need to go get tested right um so i i I don't know i don't know how 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 often you you forget things i forget them all the time um and, and yet down to the mundane things about forgetting about you know keys or 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 what you say or what you said is especially we're forgetful about things that we are convinced that we already know, right? And I will quote um, uh, a friend of mine in in college when he said to me, and I'm sure he got it from somewhere else, it's just always stuck with me, James Taylor. He graduated from there, and now he's back on faculty there. Um, Maybe a campus minister or something. Um, So James said, theology is not... Uh, what you believe, your theology, is what you practice. And he is so very right. He is so very right, right? Um, R.C. Sproul said it in a different way when he said, our belief dictates our behavior, right? Uh, so, so very true. Uh, so this, this, and remember, this is this is Peter's deathbed situation. Now, is Peter writing this on a deathbed? Certainly Not certainly not. He's, you know, this is, this is not, uh, you know, dramatic, though there is drama in, in scripture. This is not part of it. Right. But he is about to die. This is his last will and testament. And he's talking to these people about this and it's urgent. He wants the people to have recall of the things that you learn and don't forget, don't forget. Uh, and then he brings his own death into the scenario to, to really sort of almost ratify what's going on here. Right. Uh, saying this is my life's work. And he says in verse fourteen, "Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus made it clear to me." Um, if you're taking notes, point two in verse fourteen would be living in the light of eternity. Living in the light of eternity, and that's exactly what Peter is doing. Verse fourteen, living in the light of eternity, and he's telling his recipients in his testament here, his last will and testament. Hey, I'm, I'm going to die. Now, we don't know. We don't know how he found out how he was going to die. We don't even know necessarily what that means. If it was, I'm gonna be executed soon or whatever, but it says, as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. Now, we don't know if the Lord Jesus made it clear to him in a dream and a vision. We don't know if the Lord Jesus made it clear to him through someone else who came to him and said, hey, you're gonna die, which is a government official who who said that. But in his old age, he found out he was gonna die, and what he has to say about the reminding is, I'm saying all this to you since I'm going to die. He's, he, he's living in the light of eternity. He's asking them to, with their minds and with their bodies, love God with theirs, because he is about to put his off. Quote, I'll be putting off my body soon, right? Um, the, one of the greatest things that we can do is know that our life is a vapor. It is one of the greatest things that we can do. And you should start practicing it in your 20s, uh, not in your 40s or 60s or or 70s or older, right? You should practice it now. You should know that life is a vapor. You should live your life in the light of eternity. You should know that every season is absolutely precious. Uh, Every season is precious and a wonderful, wonderful gift of God. Um, and what Peter is doing with this gift, his last of days, uh, what he's—this this is the last record of what we have of Simon Peter. And he's invoking his death in what he is saying. And and what is it that's so important? Is it over in over in chapter three at the very end? It's right here right here in the first chapter. Don't forget the things you learned. This is familiar to you just coming out of uh, 2 Timothy, right? Also, what's familiar to you coming out of 2 Timothy is Paul talking about his own death in no uncertain terms. Even now, I am being poured out as a drink offering. That's talking about his execution, Uh, unfortunately, his very gruesome execution. Um, These men uh, were passionate about giving further instructions past their death. Psalm chapter 90, please write this down. Psalm chapter 90 verse 12. Psalm chapter 90 verse 12, beautiful prayer. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Psalm chapter 90 verse 12. So teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. Uh, life is a vapor, James chapter 4, brother of Jesus, verse 14. James, brother of Jesus, chapter 4, verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's where we get life is a vapor from. Um, James chapter 4, verse 14. And if you want to take uh, notes for the Paul reference of even my life is being poured as a drink offering, it is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Um Specifically, we know that Jesus had a conversation with him about his death. We don't know if this is what he's referring to in 2 Peter, but let's rewind to the resurrected Lord before he ascends. And he has a conversation in the last verses of John chapter 21 with Peter John 21 18 and 19. John 21 18 and 19 um jesus is speaking they're they're having this bowed out he's testing his love peter's already frustrated resurrected christ and he's same old frustrated peter right um i love you i told i already told you i love you and keep asking him i told you i loved you what's the problem right um please don't think that it was as um you know sort of vanilla as uh the 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 words on the page say because certainly it wasn't um truly truly i say to you jesus said when you were young You used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, it's a parenthetical scriptural statement. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So he says to him, this is how you're going to die. And then he follows that up with, now follow me. How about that? Isn't that fantastic? Just wonderful. So he, he says, we're living, you know, you're living in the light of eternity. And surely as he's telling them this story, uh, over in second Peter about, I found out how I'm going to die. Surely this is coming to, to mind. Um, um, this is, uh, this, this is the truth, and here's the thing, friend. We, our culture is obsessed with putting off death. And not only putting off death, we're putting off age, right? Um, uh, and uh, aging is a wonderful thing that should be embraced with greatness, and it is probably, just by my observation, one of the most difficult things that anyone will do with their entire life. Aging with grace is truly sanctification. Uh, much more sanctifying than raising children or marriage or, or anything that will be is aging. Uh, man, what a what an enterprise uh, that is. Last but not least, the priority of recall in the Christian life as if we needed to hear it again, uh, he wants us to hear it again and is making this point manifestly clear in verse 15, and I will make every effort so that after my dying or departure is the word he used, you may be able to at any time recall these things at any time, that you know these things so well that you just recall them uh, whenever uh, that is important. So why, friends, a couple questions, are reminders so very important? Number one, so that Christians can readily recall them at any time. Number two, because other voices and messages are so very loud and prevalent uh one that comes to mind is one that comes from this television and or your telephone that says you deserve better you deserve it whatever it they're propagating is right um and it's also funny about how um we we forget the way of the world right does that make sense like Many of us are in, we're so saturated in the culture that what the culture says about certain things is normal and what's biblical is weird. Does that make sense? Why isn't it what's biblical is normal and what's the world is, is weird? Does that make sense? How's that possible? It's because we, we haven't remembered what's proper. We haven't put in our hearts that is what is, what is accurate, right? So what does the world say about work? What does the Christian say about work? So what the Christian says about work should be not weird. It should be normal, right? Uh, what, but, but, but it seems that the world has sort of the, the, the corner on, on the market of truth there, right? Why is that? What, is, what, what does the world say about marriage, interpersonal relationships, creativity, uh, whatever it may be, right? Um, why do they get to define normal and better question is why aren't we calling that and just leaving it unchecked and unchallenged and I by, by, by we I mean me me Why am I not calling that in to question right? the normal the normal at my middle school should not be teachers who constantly bemoan they're calling. And vocation by complaining all day, but when people think of middle school teachers, they think of one thing: they think of people who uh, who uh, why are you doing this? What is wrong with you? Go get another job right um, it is so difficult. Why would you do that to yourself that's a joy it's a joy, and it should be a joy, and that should be the normal and it should be unnormal it, it, should, it should be other than for sort of complaining to prevail over a vocation. And you could apply this normal slash biblical example to any situation in our lives, right? Any situation in our lives. And of course, this is all a matter of recall, isn't it? It's all a matter of remembering the truth Um, because those other voices and messages are prevalent in their culture. Um, In conclusion, let me... Read to you uh, a text that Paul has that's almost identical to this one that he ends Romans with. Romans chapter 15, verses 14 and 15. Uh, and I, I found this fascinating. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, Romans 15, 14 and 15. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers. See, there's the affirmation, right? That you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. So he's again affirming their maturity, as we start with. Verse 15, but on some points I have written you to you very boldly by way of reminder. This is, this is Paul's, this is Paul's affirmation and don't forget text. This is Peter's affirmation and don't forget text. It is the Christian should be one who constantly is reminded. Now here's where this is going to hit you. Here's where this is going to hit you. Okay. Okay. Uh, probably one of the most frequent things that you may say to others as they talk to you are the words I know. It's almost, it's almost as normal as breathing. The reason that I learned the words "ști" you know, in Romanian, and "știu" which is I know, in Romanian, is because people said them so much was one of the first ones that I secured. I went, oh man, that's like every sentence. Why is that there, right? But we say that all the time. But but it it really is the ultimate affront, isn't it? Someone's talking and telling us something, and rather than receiving it quietly, right, uh, we say to make ourselves feel better and to let them know that we know, I know. I already know. Now, those of us who do say I know have probably said it so long that we don't even know we're saying it anymore. Does that make sense? Now... Can you say I know and it not be offensive? Of course you can. It's not a big deal. Say I know, it's not a big deal. It doesn't have to be a thing. Don't make it a thing if it's not a thing. If it's not a thing, don't make it a thing. At the same time, it can be uh, a thing, <laughs> right? Does that make sense? Um, and it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to say that, sorry. Um, you have to be aware of yourself which my wife's many, many contributions of my life over the last 17 years is that I am constantly aware right? Um, and, and helping me, am, am I right, babe? That's that, that means yes. Um, so um, yeah, know yourself well enough, know yourself well enough to know if the I know or anything like it is a thing. Does that make sense? Um, and the truth is, is that there are many things that we should know. And then there are many things that we tell people that we do know. But the question is, is on the things that truly matter, what do we truly know? Not cerebrally, but spiritually, right? And I encourage you to think about that, um, about what you know and about how it, how it matters. Uh, the study of knowing, right, uh, it, it is a, a, very, a very important one. Okay, uh, I love you all dearly as your friend and as your pastor. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm glad to preach the truth to you. My prayer for you this week that I will be praying for you this afternoon is that the Lord makes stick like glue these truths of remembrance throughout your day. That, that's what I may be praying. I'll be you know, doing other things and hurting children and things like that, but I will be praying that the Lord sticks this like glue to your soul. that it's meaningful to you, okay? We're gonna take the Lord's table and I'm gonna ask these two these two right here, Rachel and Andrew, if they'll serve as the Lord's table. Will y'all do that for us? Great, thank y'all. All all right, um, I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna take the Lord's table and then we're gonna be dismissed. Let's pray together. Great God, thank you for your uh, wonderful grace that you supply to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for listening ears and ready hearts. Um, Thank you for um, what is very apparent to me is active listening. Um, Thank you, uh, Lord, for your word, for the application of it, for the truth of it. I pray that you would make us not only the people of remembrance that we are in identity, but in practice this week, and that you would encourage us and and that we would be Christians who affirm others uh, and uh, at the same time Uh, that we would be involved in reminding not only others, but our own hearts of the truth. Um, So God, help us to write down the truth, to sing the truth, um, uh, and and, and use any medium necessary to be involved in remembrance, God, this week. Uh, We love you. God, we thank you for your presence here today. We honor you, God, as we come to take... Uh, this means of grace as it preaches very graciously to us the gospel and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ecclesia of Noonan Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to show your support, find out more information, or hear more like this, check out our website, EcclesiaNoonan.com.